12. We've started looking, looking at chapter 12 and uh, Paul now talks to us this morning about a functioning body. We've been looking at how the Holy Spirit works in our lives and, and beginning in chapter 12 through chapter 14, Paul is going to be answering some questions that the church had concerning spiritual gifts and how does the Holy Spirit work and what gifts are for today, you know, what, are, what should we do with our gifts because the Corinthians were struggling in that area. And frankly, we do as well. We sometimes don't understand the workings of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, in beginning in verse 12, let's read that down through uh, the end of the chapter, or at least through verse 27 this morning. It says, for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit... We were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing if the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow great honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part by which, which lacks it. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And we'll get into verses 28 through 31 next week. But Paul is seeking to help the Corinthians and you and I understand spiritual things. And specifically, he's trying to help us to understand the workings of the Holy Spirit. How does the Holy Spirit work? How does the Holy Spirit function? You see, the Corinthians had given evidence in their lives and in their relationships with one another that they didn't really understand how God's spirit works. They were glorifying in their own gifts. They were patting themselves on the back. They were, you know, proud of the fact that some, some of them were proud of the fact that they had the, what we call the ecstatic gifts, the gifts that were giving them an ecstatic experience. And what they tended to see was that the spirit was working just in terms of producing great religious experiences in their lives. Uh, great religious experiences that ministered to self. And you know, I think that's a danger for all of us. All of us are always, we're kind of looking for that religious experience that makes us feel good. Oh man, I, I, that, that, that message just really made me feel good or, or that, that, that music just made, that conference, whatever. And, and we're looking for those experiences and we then attribute when, when 
you know, I have a great experience, we attribute that to the working of the Spirit. And when I don't necessarily have a great experience, we, we kind of lose the fact that the Holy Spirit is still working. And we miss how the Holy Spirit is working. And again, I've, I've cautioned us over the last few weeks, we make it all about ourselves. We make worship all about ourselves. We make, you know, uh, the working of the Holy Spirit all about, about ourselves. And, and it's how we want to feel. And it's what we want to do. And we need to understand that God has a plan and a purpose for the entire body of Christ. And so Paul begins laying down some principles here in chapter 12 concerning the working of the Spirit. And uh, let's look at uh, a few of those to try to just remind us where we've been over the last couple of times that I preached with you. In verse 3, we see the direction of the Spirit's working will always promote the Lordship of Christ. You notice at the end of verse 3, it says, No one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And we're not going to revisit that whole verse, or we're not going to revisit that whole message. But one of the things that is clearly evident is when the Holy Spirit is working in our lives, the Holy Spirit will always promote not us, but the Lordship of Christ. The Holy Spirit will always promote the Lordship of Christ. And so Paul wants the people to understand that there in verse 3. Then in verses 4 through 11, we saw the manner in which the Holy Spirit works. And again, we're not going to revisit all of this. Just remind you of the, the points we made a couple of weeks ago. Remember, the Holy Spirit works in a symphonic pattern. It's like the church's one great symphony with each of us playing our part. And uh, there is a singular purpose. The, the Holy Spirit always has a singular purpose, to glorify Christ, to, to promote the Lordship of Christ, yes. There is a specific provision for each and every one of us. And finally, there is a sovereign plan. You know, God has a sovereign plan in, in mind as he gives each one of us our gifts and he brings us all together even within the body of Christ so that we function harmoniously as a body and so that we glorify and honor Christ. You see, God's spirit is providing the dynamic so that each one of us individually can perform a ministry that will not be for my good, but it will be for the common good of who? The entire body of Christ. You see, our spiritual gifts are not for us. They are for us to minister to the body of Christ. And when that happens, there is always harmony. There is always unity within the body of Christ because each one of us is contributing to the common good. Again, it's like a sports team, you know, a football team. And the quarterback gets all of the praise, right? Or the running back or those who score the touchdowns. But if it wasn't for those big guys in front of them, they wouldn't get anything done, right? And they wouldn't get anything done. And, and we all have to work together harmoniously. We all have to work together in unity. And, and we can't say, well, my gift's not important or I'm not getting any recognition. It, it's not about us. God has gifted us to use our gift for the common good of the body of Christ. And now, so that we would better understand these spiritual principles, Paul, in verses 12 through 27, presents an analogy to us. Uh, the analogy is one that each and every one of us can relate to in some way because each and every one of us have the opportunity to observe this analogy functioning 
every single day. All right? Because the analogy that he uses is the physical body and in the way in which the physical body functions. And I know that not all of our physical bodies function just as well as maybe somebody else's, but they all function and they all work. And so Paul is going to use that to share with us. And so let's look at the analogy here in verses 12 through 13 as he is illustrating the principles that he has already made in verses uh, 4 through 11. And he begins with the phrase, for as. He says, because of all of these principles, because this is the way the, the Spirit works, so also then, that's really what he's saying here, so also then, here is the analogy for us. And the specific analogy that Paul wants to make with this picture is the unity and the diversity of the body. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Here's his analogy. Your physical body is one, right? We we have one body, right? And yet my physical body has many members. I have hands, I have feet, you know, I have ears, I have a nose. And those many members make up how many bodies? One body, right? We have many members, but they make up one body. And the very essence of, of that body is many members functioning harmoniously together as that one body. There is coordination of many parts into one effective motion. All of the parts, as diverse as they are, start working together so that my brain says to my feet, let's walk across the platform. And I can do it sometimes, you know. And, and my, my hand says, pick up that. Uh, my, my hand doesn't say that. My head says that. My hand works. We function harmoniously together. There is coordinated effort within the body. There are many members, each with different functions, but they all work together for the good of the body. And notice what Paul says at the end of verse 12. So also is what? Christ. So also is the body of Christ. We, each one of us here today who have claimed Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, are many members, but we are one in Christ. And the body here, the analogy, the body here represents his body. The, you know, every, each part of the body functions for the good of the whole body. And there is that interdependence as, as the various members do their part. Uh, they each have an important role to, to perform, an important function to perform. But they all do so for the common good of the body of Christ. You see, the, the body is the vehicle that God has given to us to express our spirit, right? And the body of Christ is the vehicle then that is the expression of the Holy Spirit. And we as a church are to be promoting the common good of Christ and promoting the Lordship of glorifying Christ in the things that we do. And so Paul now relates some spiritual facts here in verse 13 that give us some 
some meaning to this an analogy. And, and he says in verse 13, for by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. The, this one spirit is the one who is active in forming this body. The Holy Spirit is the one who has put together the body of Christ. And, and how has he done that? Well, the Holy Spirit has placed, or we call it baptized, not water baptism. This is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When we accept Christ as our Savior, it's not some mystical experience. When we accept Christ as our Savior, he baptizes us. And it simply means he places us, the Holy Spirit places us into the body of Christ. We become part of the body of Christ at the moment of salvation. Each believer has been placed by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. We didn't place ourselves there. The Holy Spirit placed us into the body of Christ. Then notice what he says. There is diversity, however, among the individual members, whether they are Jews, whether they are Greeks. There, there may be racial differences as some of the members are Jews and some of them are Gentiles. You know, there may be racial differences, uh, but that we are all of, of the same members. Look at the next one. There, there are some are slaves and some are free. There are social differences within the body of Christ. There are racial differences. There are gender differences. Some are male, some are female. There are social differences. Some are slaves, some are free. But we all are members of what? The same body. You see, all of those distinctives disappear when we are placed in the body of Christ. All of those distinctives, whether they are racial, whether they are social, whether they are gender, they all disappear in the body, body of Christ. The Holy Spirit has not formed two different bodies. You know, in this case, one for the Jews and one for the Gentiles. The Holy Spirit hasn't, has not uh, formed five different bodies. You know, we got to get all these different people into the right body or 10 different bodies. No, the Holy Spirit has found how many bodies? One. And we are all part of that body. We all function as fellow members of the same body. And Paul describes that in verse 14 by saying, for in fact, the body is not one, excuse me, go back to verse 13, the phrase I wanted you to see, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. You know, the word drink there gives the idea of watering or being saturated. And I think the idea here is that each believer has received what? The same Holy Spirit. That, and that Holy Spirit has, has placed us into the body of Christ. We are all watered by the Holy Spirit. We are all saturated. We are being saturated. Each one of us has received the same Holy Spirit. Each believer has been indwelt by the same Holy Spirit. And I know there's some theology out there that says you need to, be, you need to pray that the Holy Spirit would indwell you. no. If you do not, Romans 8, 30 says, if you do not have the Holy Spirit, you're not one of his. You're not saved. At the moment of salvation, we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. We need to be filled by the Spirit. We need to be yielding to the Spirit. But we have the Spirit. Each one of us has been indwelt by the same Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has provided the dynamic so that we, even though we are diverse parts, we function harmoniously together.
You know, we're not asked to do this on our own. If the body is to function harmoniously, it must be the same Holy Spirit working in each one of us. And that's going to be the analogy. Paul says, we're not off here doing our own little thing. We're all working together. The Holy Spirit is working us all together to glorify Christ. The Holy Spirit is working us all together for the common good of the body, for the Lordship of Christ. And so let's look at this analogy as it is described for us in verses 14 through 27. Because having set forth the analogy of the physical body, Paul now points out specific things about how that body functions. And the first thing that we notice about how the body functions is this. The body is made up of many members. For in fact, verse 14, the body is not one member, but it's many members. You know, the Corinthians, like so many people today, uh, were saying that each one of us must have the same gifts that I have. You know, if you're really going to be spiritual, you're going to have the gifts that God has given to me. And, and that is just nonsense. That is not true. And some were then feeling inferior if they didn't have the gift that somebody else had. They looked at somebody else and said, man, I wish I had that gift. And because I don't have that gift, I'm of no value to the church. And, and there's a lot of people out there that feel that way. Other people were feeling superior when other people lacked the gifts that they have. Look at me. Boy, I have this ability. I have this gift that God has given to me. And what was the result? Strife. Division within the church. As some were looking at others and, and you know, and jealousy saying, I wish I had that gift. And others were looking at, at those who didn't have the gifts, kind of looking down at those people. You're not quite as spiritual as I am. And so Paul has to remind them and he reminds us the body is, is you know, one member uh, I mean, not one member, but many, but it's one body. Uh, for a, a, you know, think about this. He, he says, in fact, the body is not one member, but it's many. It's one body, but it's got many members. Now, now think if the, the body was just one member. That would be a, a monstrosity, wouldn't it? That would be a body that was deficient. That would not be a body really at all. And, and that's what he's trying to get across. Let me try to illustrate that for you. When, when, I was, uh, when we moved to Ohio, and I was in sixth grade, and um, I can remember uh, the first time I went and spent the night at a friend's house, uh, we were up on Friday night, and he said, let's watch Chiller Theater. All right? And uh, I never watched Chiller Theater before, but it sounded like a fun thing to do. And so we, we watched a chiller, and it, the, the guy that hosted it was called Fritz the Night Owl, right? And Fritz, you remember Fritz? Yeah, Fritz was a, a goofy kind of a guy. But they always played terrible horror movies. And I can remember one night, the, the, that night we were watching it, I, it was the first time I was ever introduced to the creature from the Black Lagoon, you know? And wow, that was kind of, you know, as a... 12, 11-year-old, that was kind of scary, the creature of the Black Lagoon. But I can remember later on in different times seeing, seeing uh, horror movies. One of them was The Hand. And uh, maybe you saw that The Hand would come out of this and just cross the, it was just kind of goofy, right? You know, or one was The Eye, and it was just one big eye. 
you know, that's just nonsense. It's a monstrosity. It, you know, that, that, that's not a body. That's part of a body. And, and Paul here talks about the fact that some may feel inferior because they are not as gifted as other people. And he then compares them to other parts of the body. Look at verse 15. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I'm not part of the body. Is that true? No, it's not true. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I'm not part of the body. Is therefore, is, is it not part of the body? Now, the foot doesn't have all the abilities of the hand. But that doesn't mean the foot is useless and not then a part of the body. How absurd. You know, we just came through, though, at the World Cup. You know, the World Cup were... The world says this is real football, right? Because they use what? Their feet. It does make sense a little bit about football, you know. But we play football how? With our hands, absolutely. We want to catch that ball, you know. And we want to, can the hand catch better than the foot? Well, mine can. Uh, you know, I, I don't know about yours, but mine can. But, but, you know, so that because the hand can do more things than the foot can do, is, is the foot not valuable to me? Absolutely not. It's, a, it's an important part of the body. The ear may feel inferior to the eye. And because of that, the ear might say, you know what, I'm of no value to the body because I want to be able to see. The point is this, believers often feel, can I use the word, ungifted or of little or no use within the body of Christ, wishing they, they had gifts and ministry abilities that other people had. And because they don't, they, they get discouraged and they don't appreciate their own gifts. They don't appreciate their own ministry. And Paul says, does such an attitude change the fact that they're still part of the body? Does such an attitude change the fact that they've actually been placed into the body by the Holy Spirit and given the gifts they have by who? The Holy Spirit. And take us back to a couple of weeks ago. In God's sovereign plan, in his great symphony, he has given you the abilities that he's given you. And you are to use those abilities to function within the body of Christ according to his sovereign plan. So you're not a foot. So you're not an eye. You know, so you don't have this gift. So you don't have that gift. God has gifted you where he has gifted you. And he says, use it. You're just as important as every other member of the body. Again, I use the example of a football team. You know, if, if the quarterback truly is the only one that's of any value, you know, uh, let's let those linemen, when, when the ball snap, just stand there and not do anything, and we'll find out how good he is, right? We all have to work together. We all have to use our gifts. We're all part of the body. Look at verse 17. We need to remember that each function of the body is necessary. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? If the ear could be an eye. Now think about that. If I could change my ear into an eye, 
what would that do? It would look pretty weird, wouldn't it? You know, I'd have three, three eyes and, and, and one ear. Uh, you know, they, it, would, it would not make sense. The, the body doesn't need three eyes. It needs what? Two ears. What if the nose could be an ear? You know, that's pretty weird, isn't it? Can you just see a big old, I got a big old nose. Can you imagine a big old ear there? You know, uh, the body would then be deprived of what? Its sense of smell. You know, but as it is, God has wisely placed each member of the body according to his sovereign plan. Look at verse 18. But now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? You see, according to God's sovereign will, according to God's sovereign design, awesome design, if you will, all wise design, God has created the body just as it is. And, and again, the point is this, to be discontent with my spiritual gift, to be discontent with my ministry abilities is to rebel against the wisdom and will of God. It's really to be disloyal to God because he's the one who has gifted me. He's the one who has placed me in the body. He's the one who has given me the gifts that I have. If we were all one member, it wouldn't be a body. If we all had the same gift, it wouldn't be a body. Because the very essence of the body is many members functioning together. Verse 19. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? And so Paul says the body, first of all, is made up of many members. Look at the second thing, though. In verses 20 through 26, the second point is this. Paul says these many members, the body's made up of many members. These many members then make up one body. And trying to kind of redundant, maybe, if you will. But now, indeed, verse 20, there are many members and yet one body. And because of that, there is mutual dependence. These members now must work together. Not only must a, not a member value lightly his gift and his ministry, but he must not value lightly or hold in contempt the gift or the ministry of another person, another member. The, the, I can't you know, say, you know, because God has given me the gift of pastor, I'm more important than you. Because God has given me the gift of this, I'm more valuable than you. And I kind of look down my spiritual nose at you. And I, and I put myself on a higher... That happens within the church. And not only must we not lightly value our own gifts, we must not lightly value the gifts of other people. Each member is important. Each member has a function, has a role to play within the church in making one body. So look what he says in verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand... I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you. And, and what the idea here is the superior organs, if you will, cannot look down on those that they consider to be inferior. How frustrating, and some of you have experienced this, 
How frustrating would it be if my hand cannot take hold of what my eye sees? And I want to I want to pick this up and I just can't get my hand. And again, sometimes we have that problem, don't we? There's no such thing as independence in the body. It is interdependence that is vital. What if there were no feet to carry the head, the places where the head wants to go? You know, I can remember my father-in-law, toward the end of his life, he developed Parkinson's disease. And I can remember we would be places and, and he would say, feet, you know, get, get, get my feet going, you know. And, and his head was telling him to get moving and, and his feet just wouldn't cooperate until finally they would finally get going. And, and that happens to us sometimes. But, but what if my feet said, you know, I'm not going and the, the head says, go over here. No, I'm not doing that. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm not, not doing that. And the, the fact of the matter is, some, some of the parts of the body that we consider to be weaker are very necessary. You know? And some of the more delicate parts of the body are very necessary. Look at verse 22. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weak are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable on those we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. You know, uh, because of this fact, think of this. Some of the weaker parts of our body, some of the more delicate parts of our body, some of the more sensitive parts of our body, we naturally protect, don't we? Don't you naturally protect You know, we instinctively guard and protect the weaker and more delicate parts. I was out cutting some grass yesterday. And why is it that gnats immediately head right for where? Your eyes. And when the gnats head for your eyes, what does my hand automatically do? Try to brush them away. If something's headed for me, you know, if it's something headed for my, my eye, my hand is naturally going to, instinctively going to try to protect it. Try to protect it. Think of this. Now, not only do we instinctively guard and protect those things that are weaker and delicate, but we don't cover the face or the hands like we do our feet. Some of you have over 100 pair of shoes. Well, Maybe. You know, you want to cover your feet. We want to make sure those feet are covered. You know, think about a soldier or a police officer. What part of the body does does he cover with with his vest? You know, he's covering the lungs. He's covering the heart, uh, those delicate parts. Uh, We beautify with adornment. We clothe the parts of the body that are lacking in natural beauty. The, the, you know, the attractive parts have no need of special attention. Uh, we, we put earrings on our earlobes. You know, maybe the earlobe's not all that attractive, but so we, we doll, doll it up a little bit. See, the God, I, I haven't done that yet, but, you know, <laughs> the God who so wisely put this body together did so in a fashion to protect it, 
to prov- the, the different members provide for it and to give honor even to those parts of the body which seem to be lacking. In our physical body, we by nature, by God-given instinct, try to equalize the dignity of our members, if you will. And God has blended and balanced all of this with an instinctive sense of propriety. I need to take care of my eyes. Look at verse 25. We need to wrap this up. In verse 25, Paul gives us the purpose for all of this. That there should be no schism in the body. The word schism there just simply means division. No division within the body. There should be no schism within the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. The reason all this works the way it does is so that my body doesn't have division. On the contrary, the members of my body care about what happens to the other members of my body. My hand cares about what happens to my foot. My eyes care about what happens to my nose. You know, think of this. If you get up in the middle of the night and you're stumbling to the bathroom or wherever it is you're going to, if you stub that little toe on a dresser or something like that, does the rest of the body laugh at that little toe because it's hurt? That weak or stupid little toe. Uh, how do you feel now, big guy? You know? No, instead the whole body does what? Ow! We try to protect it. You see, what is felt by one is felt by all. Whether it's joy, whether it's pain, when one member suffers, the whole body knows it. Again, when, when something moves toward my eye, my hand immediately goes into action. When infection strikes a, a part of my body, the other members rush to its aid. That's the way God put our physical bodies together. And we need to remember it is the Holy Spirit who has put the body of Christ together. Look at the conclusion in verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and members individually. The conclusion of the analogy is that we are the body of Christ. We are that vehicle by which God makes himself known to the world. We are the church. We are all, yes, members individually, each with a specific function, each being a necessary part, each being gifted by the the Holy Spirit to contribute to the common good of the entire body. And, And so having said that, how could you possibly say that each member needs to have the same gift, Paul says? That would be a disservice to the body. That would be a monstrosity. We need to remember instead that our spiritual gifts are given to us by God, by the Holy Spirit, and they are not for our own self-enjoyment, if you will. They are not for my own self-advancement. They are for the common good of the entire body of Christ. And we are to be working together. Whether you think your gift is important or whether you think it's insignificant, 
The fact is you need to be exercising it. You need to be using it for the common good of the body. And so don't say, man, I wish I had that gift or man, I wish I had this gift. God gave you the gift he gave you for a very specific purpose. And you are to use that gift for the common good of the body of Christ. And then the body of Christ does what? It glorifies and honors the Lord. We're all part of the body of Christ. We all need to do our part. Let's pray.